First Peter, second chapter, verse 5 this morning for our message. We read this. You also, like living stones, being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Over the last uh, several weeks, I've been doing a series of messages on what it means to be a real man, a real woman, about family, and we're going to continue that, uh, but I'm interrupting that today. We're, we're getting ready to come up on, on Easter, and I want us to get a little focused about what's coming up, and, uh, and I want to do a little just kind of a picture today of who are we? As a church, as we get ready to move into Easter and, and reaching out to so many people uh, in this area. Uh, it's been six months now since Pastor Arnie retired and had me come. And uh, it has been just a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience that we've uh, been having here. Uh, God has so energized the work and, and things are continuing to grow. And as you can look around you, there's not a whole lot of room for anybody else to come into the service because the place is pretty full. And uh, this is a wonderful problem to have. Could be a lot worse. Nobody could show up. That would be very bad. So, uh, but uh, as uh, over the last few weeks, actually a few months, uh, uh, Pastor Latham and myself and the team have been kind of asking ourselves, who are we? What are we really all about as a church so we can focus on our purpose, our mission, our vision for the future? What is it that makes us uh, different? And, uh, you know, when uh, Pastor Arnie first came to start this church 14, 15 years ago, um, no one really believed that you could build a big, successful, evangelical, much less charismatic type church in Northeastern Wisconsin just would never fly, never has flown. They've they've all failed and struggled and and uh, but they came. They believed God had called them to do it, and uh, they had a huge impact and are continuing to have a huge impact. But the last 14 years, thousands of people have been introduced to Jesus as their personal Savior and experienced great faith. And I know a lot of you are here this morning because of that work that was established as, as we were reaching out and, and sharing the gospel with people. Um, I, at the time you guys were starting this church, I was not in ministry. I started out in ministry as a young guy, uh, but by the time I turned 30, I said, this, this really stinks. <laughs> and I gave up. I quit. Wasn't working. Nobody listened to me. Nobody cared. You know, it was like talking to a brick wall and, and just not sure who I was and what I was supposed to accomplish. So I stopped ministry. And I stayed involved in the church, kept working and, and contributing and, and playing, you know, the keyboards and stuff. But uh, just not in the pulpit and not in official ministry position. And uh, I was out of ministry probably at least, uh, well, it was going on 20 years, 17, 18 years, somewhere in there where I, I did nothing in these roles. And uh, after our kids were leaving the house and, and growing up and um, just kind of doing some self-evaluating, uh, I told Debbie, I said, you know, I, I think I, I took a left when I should have taken a right somewhere down the road. And, and I feel like God wants us to get back into ministry. And, and she's always supportive. And so we started praying. And I had really no idea where do you start at this point, being this connect, disconnected for so long. I didn't really know anybody in ministry. The only guy that I knew very many people in ministry was Arnie Jacobson. So I sent him a note. Uh, and I just mailed it to him. And I said, do you know anyone who could use a Puerto Rican piano player? 
and that was all it was a little smile you know and uh, he calls me up right away and says yeah I could use one I said really he says, yeah come on up we'd love to have you be a part of this so I thought wow wow so I came here and uh, started working with the church and I was so impressed by uh, the way the church and the way Pastor Arnie and the team was, was the kind of church that was very inclusive was constantly looking out how can we include other people how can we reach more people what can we do uh, because I really had been part of uh, so many churches for many 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 years that really were much more focused and concerned about us you know it's just about us if you want to join us great you know, in fact, they would sit there and pray and cry and God send more people to us. But they really didn't care about them, just about us. The whole thing was just focusing, internal, internal, internal. And I know they would never say it this way. But quite frankly, it was the attitude of, you know, to heaven with me and to hell with everybody else. And I mean, because they meant it passionately. There was no way they were going to change the way they approached stuff. They were change their focus. It's about us. It's a, we're not getting blessed. It's about God touching us, 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 us. And, and really just putting off just a lot of spiritual B.O. And, uh, and that's why people don't join churches like that. Churches like that, they, they, they're the same size going nowhere for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. They just don't get it that they reek. They reek of just self-centeredness and it's all about them and, more, and, and politics in the church and playing all these stupid games that churches play. And when I came to Bayside, it was such a breath of fresh air. I thought, oh, thank God somebody thinks differently. And this church just continued to grow and grow. And after being uh, on staff here for about, I don't know, it must have been a year, maybe two years. Uh, one day, Pastor Arnie asked me, he says, you ever preach? I went, I don't know. He said, well, can you? And I said, well, I guess I can. I don't know, you know. And, and uh, he, so he started egging me on and giving me opportunities and encouraging me. He was the first guy in my life who believed in my gifts and didn't feel freaked out because I was so weird. Because I am pretty weird. I'm not, <laughs> I ain't your typical pastor, you know what I'm saying? And all my life, other pastors would constantly tell me I had to quit being me. You can't be like, you can't get in the pulpit there, Mr. Funny, ha, 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 and act like that. What's the matter with you? You know, just all this stuff and made me feel lousy about myself, you know. So um, he was the first guy who didn't do that and encouraged it. And, and then uh, a few years down the road, he said, you know, Gunger, you need to get out there and f- spread your wings. You need to get out there and, and uh, experience some more. So he sent us to Stevens Point to start a church just from scratch. But nothing. And uh, I felt like I was in the former Soviet Union being sent to Siberia, you know, for, for my political views or something, you know. What did I do wrong? I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You know, but we went ahead and went. And we started that church and in a very short time grew it to about, you know, 400 people uh, in just a few years, which in central Wisconsin, that's, that's quite a breakthrough there. And it's, it's hard to build churches there again for the same reasons that, that I just mentioned earlier. But again, reaching out to people, people start coming and feeling loved and appreciated and experiencing God in their lives and, and, and started learning about who I was in ministry and what God has called me to do and, and, and what, it, what it means to, to uh, you know, my, my approach to faith. And, and, and we built that at that church over there. And then, as, as you know, last year God started speaking to my heart about coming here. And I just didn't think there was any way. <laughs> 
they let me come back. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, one thing led to another, and boom, bada bing, bada boom. Pastor Artie said, this is great, sing. He took off, took off, and here I was, you know. And uh, But what a wonderful transition this has been, and the church is up, and everything is going great. And, and I thought, you know, as we look out forward to the future, who are we? So the staff has been going through this exercise of, you know, what's our purpose? What's our vision? What are the values that we want to promote as a church? And uh, we have a, a, a guy by the name of Jim Tomberlin. He's not here this morning. He was here for the first service and now then he went over to Stevens Point to uh, interface with those guys. But uh, a phenomenal guy. He works with some of the largest churches in, the Mer- in America. Willow Creek. I'm talking big yo mama. Tens of thousands of churches. They hire this guy to come in and, and give them wisdom and counsel and advice. And uh, he himself had pastored a church of 5,000 for many years. And now he does this. And uh, he's working with us now to help develop our mission and stuff and vision. And So we, we met actually till late last night and uh, kind of boiling some of these things down. And I just wanted to share them with you because uh, I think it's very exciting. Uh, the first thing that we try to decide on is what is our purpose? Why do we exist? And I felt that, you know, our purpose really is... A universal purpose that all churches are called to. Why did Jesus establish the church? I will establish my church, he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, um, the purpose of the church is to be a vehicle for God's redemptive purposes in the world. That's what the church, the church at large. And when we say the church at large, I mean all people of faith who have a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. That includes Catholics, Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, the whole lot of them. Uh, we're all part, we're all living stones building up this, this church, the universal church of Christ. There, there's not uh, one head organization that controls it all. It's, it's, it's Jesus controls it all. He's the head of the church. And even though there's different organizations and groups and different flavors and whatnot, it's still built all around knowing Christ. And that is the church. And we are a part of that. We are to be a vehicle. One of the vehicles in, in God's plan. We are not the only church. If you think, if anybody thinks, this is the only church and we're the only right church and we're the only spiritual church and we're the only if anyone who thinks like that you need to be medicated because you're crazy all right we are not the only we're who we are we're part of God's plan but we're part of many churches in this area that are all here to proclaim and advance the kingdom of God Okay, so this is who we are. So um, that that's that's we're, we're a part of that picture. So what is our vision? Uh, when you start getting to vision and values, then each church kind of takes on its own little flavor, its own little thing. And this is where we we start becoming a, a little more individualistic. But our vision, we we hammer this out. It, a simple statement: We want to be a family of faith that experiences, follows, and celebrates Jesus. That's our vision. This is who we are. To be a family, a family of faith. I'm very big on family. Uh, in my own personal family, uh, very strong on family. But, you know, there's people who are big on family, but they tend to be very exclusive. If, you know, if you're not part of the family, you don't get in type thing. My vision of family is always very inclusive. Everybody, anybody want to join my family, sign up. You know, come on in. You probably think we're all insane. But, but uh, I, I love that attitude. And, and I'm trying to instill uh, an attitude of family here. So we think in terms of a family of faith. Because a family isn't all the same. 
A family doesn't always agree about everything. There's members of the family that highly irritate one another. There's families, members that are a little crazy. You should see my, you think I'm nuts? You should see some of them. Some of my siblings, they're, they're way out there. But they're still family. We love each other. We're committed to each other. As far as we're concerned, nothing ever separates us. Even when we argue with each other. In our family, it's every day. You know, I, I come from a yelling family. You know, some of you sophisticated Swedish people, you know, you never raise your voices. But with Puerto Rican family, man, we screaming and hollering at each other all the time. And, uh, you know, those are terms of endearment. Idiot, moron! You know, we're just hollering back and forth at each other. Every once in a while when I was a kid growing up, I'd invite some little friend to come over, some peaceful little calm kid. And, uh, <laughs> you know, by the end of the day, the kid was stressed. Just stressed. Uh, and I could see it in his eyes. I said, what's the matter with you? You all hate each other. No, we don't. Well, you called him an idiot. He is an idiot. What's your problem? You know, I mean, but, you know, they would never do that in their family. We don't, you know, but, but it's, it doesn't matter how much we disagree with each other. We're family. Nobody kicks you out of the family. Are you hearing me? I want us to be that kind of an organization. We're really a family, a family of faith. We belong to one another. We're here for each other. We don't all have to think the same. People say, well, if you join your church, you all have to think the same. No. Well, do you have to agree with everything you say? No. My wife doesn't agree with everything I say. Nobody agrees with everything I say. Nobody agrees about everything. It's not about that. So many church, and I know the reason they ask those questions is because a lot of churches try to be that. Everybody think the same. We all got to behave the same. We all got to sign a piece of paper. I want you and hang with those who do. And you know, and da da da. All the others. And we got to all act and look and think and smell and behave the same. Nonsense. That's not a family. That's a, I don't know what that is. That's weird. So a family of faith that experiences Jesus. See, I, I was raised in a church. We talked about Jesus. We learned about Jesus. It was great. We, we, we bowed down and we worshiped Jesus. But we never experienced Jesus. I didn't know you could. It wasn't until I turned 16 years of age. Someone came to me and said, do you, do you know Jesus? I thought, well, 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 I know who he is. I mean, I go to church. I've done all this. And he said, no, no, no. Do, do you know him? Do you have a relation? Have you experienced him? I'd never heard such talk. I said, well, is that possible? And I said, yes. And he showed me how I could experience Jesus in a personal way. And I asked Christ into my life at 16 years of age. And I've never been the same since. And it's like, wow, what an experience. And now I just want to share that with as many people as I can. Most important question in life. Do you know Jesus? Have you experienced Jesus? It's important that we walk in this experiential realm of faith. Jesus went around and just splashed experience on people before they even came to faith. Sometimes we think you have to have faith before you can experience miracles. Not true. Read the book of Acts. These guys went around doing miracles and healing people, raising they did all kinds of wild stuff to heathens. These people weren't, they, they were like, they didn't even believe in this stuff. And all of a sudden they started experiencing God and they go, whoa, hoochie mama, what was that? And they started explaining to them they would they would come to faith it starts we need to have an attitude of just experiencing god you know you ought to just be splashing jesus everywhere you go you know like little obnoxious kids near a pool they're always splashing you you know stop it 
Just get them all splashed up so they can experience love, experience kindness, experience. pray for people. So what if they don't believe? That's okay. Tell them you pray for them anyway. Watch God answer. It's so cool when you God answers your prayer for some heathen who doesn't believe in God. <laughs> because it freaks them out. Oh, I got this problem. Really? Let me pray for you. What do you mean? Well, let me pray for you about that problem. They really, they panic. Do you ever do that to people? They just... <laughs> They don't know what to do. Okay, okay, you know, and you pray for them, and all of a sudden it changes. It just wow, it wows them. We need to be a place that we experience Jesus, a place that follows Jesus, where we truly make Jesus Christ the Lord, where we quit just serving ourselves and thinking about us and start thinking about His concerns and putting Him first. And then finally, a place that celebrates Jesus. That's what this church is all about. You come in here, the reason we sing and jam and raise our hands and yee-haw is because we want to celebrate Jesus. We want to celebrate Jesus. We want to celebrate people. We want to celebrate life. That's what this church is all about. Celebrating. Now, some people are uncomfortable with that. Well, I don't know if I approve of that. I don't know if it's an appropriate thing. For people to gather in a public place and, and to celebrate. That's, it's not appropriate. Of course, these very same people go down to Lambeau Field and celebrate very vigorously. <laughs> they don't seem to have the problem down there. You know, yee-haw, woo-hoo, jumping, going crazy. But you come to church, it's like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, be quiet, God's ticked off. You know what I'm saying? You know when, when dad is mad in the house? You know how quiet everybody gets? Shh, dad is ticked. We come into church. God is really angry. Shh. No, he's not angry. We can celebrate him. It's a wonderful, glorious thing. Woo! I gotta tell you, our team is always winning. Our quarterback ain't never going to (laughs) retire. It's something to celebrate. So then we came to the question of values. And of course we had just a board listed of all the values. And, 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 and Jim said, you know, you, you need, just give me three. What are the three key values about your church? What are you about? And as we we finally came up with our three. And, and it, we came up with being authentic, inclusive, and empowering. In other words, being real, belonging, and becoming. The first one's being real. If there's one thing that I try to stress in my ministry is let's be real. Okay? Let's not play Christian games. Let's not play plastic games. Let's not walk into church and put on plastic Christian faces. You know, you come to church screaming and hollering at your kids, you want to strangle your husband. And you walk in the door and then you put on this face. How you doing? Good, good, good. Liar. You're not good? Just be honest. Be real. Say, I'm doing okay. I want to kill my husband, but I'm doing good. You know, I mean, just... But see, we don't do that. People are afraid to be real. And for good reason. I'll talk about that in a second. The next thing. But the, people are afraid to be real. Let's be real. Let's not be plastic. Let's not be phony. I tend to be a little too real <laughs> for some people. You know, but that's me. 
You know, I just don't care about the religious games and acting in religious ways. And You know, so many years I was around guys who were pastors. You know, outside the pulpit they would be one way. The minute they stepped into the pulpit, they'd transform. They'd get very religious and their voices would even change. I think we should just celebrate God this morning. So glad to be in the house of God today. I was like, what is the matter with you? Nobody walks around talking like that. But they did. And I hated it. I, don't, I just don't want to play those games. Let's just be real. Let's experience Jesus in reality. Let's experience common sense Christianity. That went over big. <laughs> Our church is about compelling people to live common sense Christianity. Being down to earth. Not being so spiritually minded you're no earthly good. People just all say, It's about being real. People who say they love Jesus and hate other people are full of baloney. They are. They're liars. Don't tell me you love Jesus and hate your wife. Tell me you love Jesus and want to shoot your husband. Tell me you love Jesus and you ignore your children and never spend any time with them. Well, I, brother, I've been saved for 30 years. I don't care how long you've been saved. You're a hypocrite and a phony. Yeah, well, I really know the Bible. You don't know nothing. If you can't live this at home, you can't live it. If you can't live it with people, you can't live it. Tired of Christianity that stays spiritual on some level, but when we get together, we can't really live it. Plastic, phony. We're not going to do that. Being real. Second, being inclusive. Belonging. That's what I talked about, being a family faith that invites people in. We want to create environments for people to succeed in an atmosphere where they feel safe enough to fail. It's kind of a rare thing in Christianity. You can't fail in Christianity. They'll kick you out of the club. You make a mistake, they might throw you out of the family. Christianity is the only army in the world that shoots its wounded. You mess up, we line you up and then put a hole in you. Blam! What's the matter with you? So we hide. And we're plastic. And we're phony. You know, as I think back over the last 20, 30 years of some of the, some, some of the guys who had just really strong ministries in, in, in the body of Christ. You know, guys like Swaggart and some of these other guys, you know, that then, then turn out to be a big mess and falling in these ridiculous sins and stuff. If there's one thing that marked these guys is they never told anybody. They couldn't tell their faults to each other. Because in Christianity, you can't tell your faults. Minute you tell your faults, you're out of the club. What a bunch of nonsense. These men didn't have to struggle with these things. They've just been open and honest with people. But see, they hide their sin and then they pray. They hide their sin and then they fast more. They hide their sin and then they read the Bible longer. The devil sits back and laughs his butt off. It's amazing he has a butt at all. You can't be plastic and phony and make up for it by being more spiritual and praying harder. The Bible says to confess your faults to one another. When was the last time a group of Christians got together and said, you know, I want to tell you what a slob I am. I want to tell you what a jerk I am. I want to tell you how obnoxious I can be. I want to tell you my temptation. I want to tell you the things I struggle with. 
We need that. We do that. I do it with these guys. I just, I'm brutally honest. <laughs> TMI are on Mark. TMI, TMI, too much information. Man, I just want to be open and honest. I want to confess my faults. I'm going to play some stupid game. Really, Pastor? You, you struggle with those things? Duh, yeah. <laughs> I may be sanctified, but I'm not petrified. <laughs> the way I get past my struggles and temptations, I let everybody know about them. I just tell everybody. <laughs> you get close to me, you'll be shocked what some of them are. I'm brutally honest. I just don't want that stuff on me. Here's the amazing thing. When you turn the light on your temptations, they break. They break. Man, I'm just open and honest about this stuff. (laughs) I want to tell you a story, but I won't. I'll behave myself. Be nice. Be religious, Mark, for a minute. Belonging. Kicking people out. People can't fail in churches. So they're afraid. They can't be honest. They can't be open. Man, the people I know that come to church and they're smiling and sweet and stuff and they've already filed for divorce. They haven't just told anybody yet. Don't tell anybody. Oh, I can't tell because I, we, might, we might be kicked out. You're not getting kicked out of this club. We're a family. You need to be open and honest enough with people that you can share. If you don't know anybody in this church, you can be open and honest enough to share your faults. You're not close enough to somebody yet. You need to get close. You need to be part of a fellowship. You need to be part of the family. You need to get involved in, in our life groups and our small groups and, and the different ministries in the church. So you can feel safe enough to say, you know, I'm messing up in this area. I'm struggling here. I'm falling here. Just because you fail, just because you make mistakes, we're not going to throw you out of the family. Now, if you're doing something really harmful that's hurting other people, I'll call you on that. Knock it off. Even then, we're hesitant to throw you out. It's not about that. It's about challenging, rebuking. Just quit it. But it's time that we quit being so paranoid to be real and honest. We need a place that is inclusive where people really feel that they belong. And then finally, becoming. Being real, belonging, becoming. We want to be challenging people to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. Who are you? Why are you here? You know that's a big question everybody has? I, I, don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I, I'm here, I don't know why. There's a reason you're here. God has you here this morning for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? My guess is most of you do not. Let us help you. Let us teach you. Don't be afraid to connect. God knows you're here this morning. It's not a surprise to him. When you were born, he didn't go, ooh, never figured that would happen. (laughs) The day you got saved, he didn't go, really? Are you kidding me? I never thought he'd get saved. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. He has a reason and a purpose for your life. Every one of you are here for a reason. You're part of those stones those living stones that Peter talked about. You see, a church isn't made up of bricks and stones like this. This is just a building. It's not a church. The church is people. You're the church. You're part of the stones. But sadly, so many churches, it's just a big pile of rubble. Stones that just, they're all there and they, they're on the ground. 
They don't look like anything because they, they, they don't know where they belong. Where do I fit in? Where do I, help us show you. We've got people that are just, that's all they do is Pastor Mary, that's her job. <laughs> Helping people connect. Where do you fit in the picture? Where do you fit in the picture? We try to encourage you, teach you from the Bible to show you where you fit. These are our three main values is what makes us who we are. Different churches have different values, different emphasis. That's fine. We're just all part of the picture. But this is who we are. What's been amazing is, is how much people have responded to what we're doing. And how much we're growing. The church now is full here. We have a church in Stevens Point that's also part of this church. They have their own worship team and stuff like this on Sunday morning. But then they're watching me on TV. On the screens. When I'm preaching, they're hearing what I'm preaching to you. That's what they're hearing. And they're responding. We're the same church. People say, well, can that work? Of course it can work. I watch most of you. Most of you are watching me on the screen instead of looking at me. I'm right in front of you. you know. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. Well, this is fine. So they're seeing that. They're hearing the message. They're on the same wavelength as us. They have the same values, the same principles, the same vision, the same purpose. There's a church up in Pound, Wisconsin. Anybody know where Pound is? If you do, you know more than I do. But it's up there somewhere. And a little church. And, and they, I, I just thought, I didn't know they were doing this for months apparently. They've been doing the same thing. They've been secretly getting the DVDs. <laughs> and, and they do their worship stuff and then they listen to me. You know. And they want to share in the same values and stuff like that. We're meeting them this week. And they might become an official part of what we're doing. Um, I got a call from a guy in northern Illinois. Their church wants to be part of another church like this. And they want to connect as a video venue. Um, and, and, and these incredible things. The reality is this is a great way to grow the church. And affect many more lives than we can here. See the, traditionally speaking the only way to grow is to get people to come here. And quite frankly, for us to grow anymore, we would have to build. And we haven't paid off for the last deal. We can't do it. What do you do? What do you do? One of the ways of, of, of growing is, is putting these other venues out there where people are still part of this. We sing the same songs. We believe the same things. And we hear the same messages. We just don't all meet in the same room all the time. And it's a way to grow the church. Quite frankly, we need to do that with this service. And starting in, in, in April, we are going to be having a second simultaneous service in the 180 place down there in the sanctuary down there because you can't get anybody else in here and I don't want to quit growing do you want to quit growing? no I want people to keep coming so the way they do it is we're going to have one down there there's going to be a worship team down there and they're going to do everything that we're doing up here live but it'll be a little bit more intimate venue we're going to call it the cafe and, uh, and you can bring coffee in there and a little bit more relaxed more of an intimate feel and, and, uh, and uh, as soon as the sermon comes on my face will show up down there and they'll hear the same thing that I'm telling you and uh, and it just allows us to get more room and stuff like that eventually I would love to put a campus in Appleton and uh, in Manitowoc and some of these other cities around here you know because we're on television we're, we're talking to lots of people we talk to thousands tens of thousands it's amazing how many people watch this program and, and, and uh, we speak to them. It's, it's great. You know, the other day I had, uh, I met this lady and her, she had two little cute little girls. And uh, they had seen our, our program on television. And they had watched the, the program where I was talking about women, challenging them to be strong, confident women. And, and talking about women who, you know, are insecure and they allow men to treat them very badly. And then ask, what should I do? What 
should I do? So anyway, this lady comes up and introduces me to these little girls. They want to meet you because they saw you on TV. And I said, great. And I looked down at these two little gorgeous faces and they looked up at me and went, what should I do? (laughs) It was hilarious. God, start teaching them young. Hallelujah. But we're making a big splash. And right now, when we stay with us thinking that they all have to come here, we're going to limit what God can do with us. And if we set up these other places, we can continue to grow as a congregation. We should grow to 5,000 easily over the next few years. If we'll just keep reaching out and just, you know, growing and, and, and letting... It doesn't mean we're the only church. We're just a small part. Listen, there's only about barely 20% of people in this area even go to church. Don't even go. There's plenty of room for all kinds of churches to do this all over the place. Whatever it takes to reach out to people. We will relate to people that other people won't relate to. And vice versa, you know. It's again, not that we're the only guys, special guys. It's just we're part of that building that God's doing. Now, one of the challenges in all of this has been the name. Because Bayside doesn't make any sense if you're not near a bay. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand that? Stevens Point, call it Bayside. What does that mean? There ain't no bays around here. So we thought, well, what, what can we do? We need to get some kind of a name. As, as God is calling us to this new vision, this new opportunity, what can we do? And, and we've, we've, we've wrestled with this and we've prayed about it. We've talked to our elders about it. And, and, uh, and, and the one word that kept coming to me over and over again was this word Celebrate. Celebrate about celebrating life, celebrating Jesus, celebrating people, celebrating success, celebrating life. So I thought, what if we call it Celebration Church? So we came up with this logo, Celebration Church. Now, this particular location will always be referred to as Bayside. So what you'll see is Celebration Church Bayside. This will be Celebration Bayside. Okay, because we're by a bay. You, you can look out my window. There's the bay. You can see it from my window, okay? It makes sense. We've got 15 years of history in this community. It'll still, if anybody ever calls us Bayside, you'll immediately, because we'll still call it Bayside. This is Bayside. This is the Bayside Church, okay? So Celebration Bayside. Stevens Point is going to be called now Celebration Stevens Point. And, uh, and then that little church, if they decide to join with us, they'll be called Celebration Pound. And, uh, and the cafe down there, we're going to call Celebration Cafe. And it gives us an identity that we can all collect to and start doing. Celebration Appleton, Celebration Monaco, whatever God opens up doors. We have no idea what is going to happen. But then the Celebration Church, it's one church. We're just one church. Sharing this, hearing the same messages, believing the same things, living the same values, having the same purpose as a church. It's just that we don't all have to fit in the same room. Because if we try and do it the traditional way... Uh, it, it would just be so cost prohibitive. It would be ridiculous. It would cost so much to build one place. That, and that's how people have done it. I mean, you go, like, for, you go down to the south, they have churches, you know, 10,000, 20,000 members, and it's all one gigantic building. It's, it's incredible, you know. But man, that's a lot of money. And uh, you know what? I, I think we can spend money more wisely, more effectively than just in mega buildings. We can be a mega church without having to raise a gazillion dollars for a mega building 
and the cost of maintaining a mega building. I would rather put the money into services and ministries that touch people than into just buildings. So we are beginning this. And I say, well, I don't like that name. Well, then you'll be a member of the family who doesn't like the name. What? You know, Christians, we fight over the stupidest stuff. Churches split. I don't like, I didn't like the color of that carpet. I don't like the, man, we don't want any of that here. You can disagree. I don't have a problem with people disagreeing, but you're still part of the family. Nobody's gone anywhere. At least you shouldn't. You should feel safe enough. No one's going to reject you. Oh, he's part of the blue carpet club. We're the red carpet club. We're the... We're not playing no stupid church games, okay? So uh, we're going to start this. And we're we're going to start it now. We're, we've got flyers on your way out. You're going to see those flyers that you can use to promote uh, the Easter thing that's coming up. And you'll see the poster up there. It's Celebrate Easter. And you're going to see the bottom, Celebration Church Bayside. And people will say, what does that mean? Why are you changing your church? It's a great opportunity to share with people about our vision, who we are, what God's doing. We want to just be more inclusive. Our church is packed out. We've got to reach more people. We, it's a great story. You know, most churches in America cannot tell our story. You know what the story is in most churches? Nobody's coming. We can't pay the bills. What are we going to do? We've got to reach more people. You know, we're, we're going to have to cut, and we have to cut, and we're going to have to cut. We got a story that, man, there's so many people coming, we don't know where to put them all. Now, one of the things we talked about is maybe going to three services in here first. But a part of the problem there is, first of all, the first one would have to be at 8 o'clock. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just not a morning kind of guy, you know what I'm saying? So, and not that many but it will even come anywhere. So the third service is a kind of a service. You know, it's, the people still come to the later services anyway. And if you do that, then we have to shorten the services. And less singing, less preaching, less everything. I don't know, you know, our, our services are just fine. Quite frankly, I think they're too short as it is. You know, things go quick here. and It's a wonderful thing. And, and uh, we don't want to mess with that. So that's why we're doing the cafe. And we're just going to see what God's going to do. So anyway, now, when you see that poster, by the way, some people might say... Um, <laughs> it's all magic. Some, some people say, well, what's, what's with the eggs? Where's, where's Jesus in this thing? It's not, Easter isn't about eggs. I know that. Okay. When they come Easter morning, we're not going to introduce them to a giant bunny. Okay. <laughs> we're going to introduce them to Jesus. But this is our culture. This is the way people think. Easter bunnies. And so, oh, cool. We'll roll with it. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. That's what Jesus told us to be. So that's, that's why we'll have that. And then we're going to be putting up a new sign in a couple of weeks out front. A little different look. And it's going to be Celebration Church Bayside. And uh, it'll be built up there. It's going to look real cool. Uh, and, and anyway, so that's, that's, that's what we're doing. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up and our ushers to come and uh, as we get ready to uh, serve communion. Uh, it's exciting what God is doing. And uh, I, I've been so blessed. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm having more fun than should be legally allowed. And uh, it, it is so great. It is so great. I'm just so full of positive energy. I just really, really believe that if, we'll, if we will be real, 
if we don't keep secret sins, if, if we'll be people that are comfortable enough to make mistakes and be honest with each other, if we'll, if we'll be the kind of people that I'm talking about, there's no stopping to what God can do with us. The reason why God doesn't do more isn't because God doesn't want to do more. Is we get in the way. And we become more of a hindrance than a help. As long as we're determined, you know, I'm going to be the kind of person God wants me to be. I'm going to continue to invest in what God wants to do. I want to continue to support. As long as we're willing to do that. There are hundreds of thousands of people that this church talks to that we live amongst that desperately need and they really want to find God they just don't know how to do it and traditional church has been offensive to them it kind of reeks because they've been so selfish and if we could be sweet smelling to people you know you're welcome here we love you here if you're new to the family welcome to the family you know it's it's we want you to be a part of this and we want to to have a place where you feel safe bringing your children and and and, and building a life making God a key part of your life I'd like everybody to bow their heads in a word of prayer this morning the real question is are are you a part of the family I'm not talking about joining this church. I'm talking, are you a part of the family of faith? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? We're getting ready to serve communion. We're celebrating his body being broken, his blood being shed. Jesus went on the cross to suffer and to die so that you could be part of the family. You say, well, I'm trying to be better. No, no, no. If you, if, if you could be good enough, he'd have never went to the cross. If you're going to give it enough money, he'd have never gone to the cross. The reason he went to the cross is there's nothing you can do about your sin. The only way to fix it is to let him wash you and make you clean. To forgive you. If you'll open up your heart right now, ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. You can experience this wonderful birth into the family of faith. Let's pray this prayer together. If everyone, Let's all pray together. And if you'll believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can begin being part of this family, of knowing Jesus in a personal way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I put my trust in you this morning. And I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and to have a personal relationship with you. Amen. I'm going to ask our guys to 